Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Kat Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and sadly, when I'm done speaking, you will not hear I'm Jennifer Landa. Jennifer had to take this week off, but she will be back. She will be back, and it is such a wonderful sign of the times that she's back for the news show with such regularity that uh, we already feel the loss of her having to take a week <laughs> off. So, uh, Jennifer will be back next week. Yeah, absolutely, and looking forward to it. Looking forward to it indeed. This is our look at Star Wars news, breaking news from a long time ago. It is definitely season of Kenobi. 
it's definitely where you're starting to see, you know, exclusive. Here's what might happen in the show. And and and, and we are uh, trying to avoid that. Not for any grand statement on scoop culture. Not our favorite thing. But just as fans, we, we want to uh, kind of curate the news. Uh, we get so close to the release of shows and movies. So we'll have some uh, news items here that might be uh, speculative uh, and, and a little spoilery. We'll give you that warning when we get to it. But a little fun discussion coming your way about some of the big Star Wars news stories this week. Before we do that. As always, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And a little bit later, as always, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. So Joseph Jennifer's having her own Star Wars adventures right now. <laughs> you and I, let's catch up. Where did Star Wars find you in your life this week? Oh, yeah. It found me in lots of little places. Uh, my wife and I are still watching the young Indiana Jones I- adventures, and uh, they're all the Lucas re edited them, re edited all of nice. them into this, you know, uh, chronological order of you can feel the uh, the prequels building with the Rick McCallum. Uh, Trisha Bagar mm. popped up as a costume designer. There's an episode with uh, Pernilia August. It's, it's like watching the prequels come into being. There's some early. Uh, CGI shots in this one. Yeah. And the one, the one we watched last night, um, a lot of the point of the young Indiana Jones show was to be like directly educational. Like there's mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. some adventure, especially when, when Indy is like nine, uh, he pretty much just wanders off every, he, he goes to <laughs> fascinating, interesting places and wanders off and meets a famous person and worries his parents uh, and repeat. Um <laughs> But a lot of times it is just educational, and he just he he learned about world religions. <laughs> uh, the, this uh, episode, and then he got sick, and then people helped him out, and it was just it was like uh, watching the Phantom Menace be built because it was this like mm. it was this young boy learning that at the heart of all philosophies is the idea that we are all connected and should help one another (laughs) and that that's what matters the most. And then he falls sick in a foreign place where people would have no reason to help him, but they do. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is Phantom Menace light. (laughs) I'm obsessed with this now and I'm going to have, maybe have to start my rewatch here. Uh, You know, I remember watching that show and I haven't really seen it since that time. And I've known, you know, McCallum and some of the other folks and uh, Oliver Ford Davies, I think you had said was in one of the episodes, Mm -hmm. right? The first Uh, one. Yes, you have Bible, but yeah, Pernilla August and everything. It just but the concepts and, and what George was working on. Then that, that's fascinating to me. That George, uh, whether or not he was like, hey, this is. I'm not saying he's like, ah, this is going to help me make the prequels, but just that what he was putting into his programming, even then, and how that theme, all those themes, kind of just uh, are a connective thread for him and his work. That's great. Yeah, just how much the the ideas of Star Wars are are central to him as well as the the pulp adventure and all the things that we love and lightsabers are cool and mm-hmm. <laughs> air speeder mm-hmm. cars, especially bright yellow ones, are cool and all that. But that to him, it is these big ideas uh, mm. that motivate it and matter. So that was a, a fun adventure. Then the other thing I wanted to mention quickly is uh, I recorded some episodes of Star Wars Minute, a great podcast oh. uh, that we've uh, been on in the past. Uh, Alex and Pete uh, doing a great job. It's always super fun. Uh, this one was uh, solo. And part of what was really, really fun about it is um, I, I don't think this is a secret that Alex is uh, uh, doesn't like parts of solo. Mm. And it was and I think I knew that going in and it was just, we just had some great conversations about, Hey, why I know this doesn't work for you. Why not? And then he'd mm-hmm. explain. And then I go, Oh, I get that, but here's why it does work for me. 
And I don't know that either of us changed one another's minds, but just, just like, ah, that's all I want. <laughs> you know, I don't mind disagreeing. And in fact, sometimes I find it fascinating because to me it's yeah. art and there doesn't have to be an answer. We don't hold a vote, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, there, there are real world metrics like box office and, you know, aggregate of, you know, reviewers and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, for me, that's just what it's about is I want to be able to have conversations and share things instead of telling one another we're wrong all the time. Yeah, the gamification of, of movie discussion, uh, of which I uh, helped produce some of it, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is something that I don't think anyone, when, when, when this was all being built, I don't think anyone really foresaw some of these things that have popped up. But yeah, the, um, I always say, life is not an episode of movie fights, and nor do I want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good so it, was just a, it was a fun Star Wars uh, adventure, because I always love just, you know, Star Wars Minute is analysis, but it's also just joking around. It's super fun yeah. to joke around about Solo, and then just be able to, to uh, appreciate the film in different ways and hear other people's takes was a ton of fun. So that was my uh, Star Wars adventure. How about you? Well, couple one here, small one and big one. One, I, I have to apologize to you, Joseph, for sending a, probably an overzealous text message late on a on a, I think a Friday or Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, we oh, Grace and I uh, we should we should announce officially we we uh, have uh, added a new dog to our life, uh, a little uh, five pound Chihuahua named Francis Franny Franny ba uh, Franny uh, Franny Cakes Franny Bean uh, whatever uh, her name her nicknames will keep rolling up happened very suddenly uh, the force and life finds a way suddenly uh, we weren't really looking uh, we of course lost our, our dog Ratsy a couple of years ago now and uh, this uh, fell into our, to our laps and happened very fast and so we had this uh, wonderful new dog and we need to go to Target to get some training pads you know how it goes <laughs> so I get there and I do what I always do and I'm just going to wander over the toy aisle and I turn and, and the, this particular target I've been going to, it's been slim pickings. It's been sad Lobots literally on the shelf. And, <laughs> and, and unfortunately a bunch of sad Landos, like too many people not buying Lando figures there. Yeah. And I turned the corner and there was some Landos, but there was uh, um, a Tebow. Uh, there was, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it might have L3. I couldn't, I, it was a draw. No, I think it was IG-11. Mm. Behind it was three Palpatines. This is the Ooh. vintage three and three quarter. And I, I, in my head, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Joseph, Joseph either has this or has this on the way. But I took a photo and sent it to you just because <laughs> it's, it's all, I think I'm taking this one out of the package because it's got the hands that you can switch out with the lightning. Yep. And the look on his face is just this grimace, this, this groan, but also this joy at being so evil and, and just unlimited power. I, I, I uh, we always say that we have our weird relationship with Palpatine, the character we love and we love to root against. I think I need to put, display this one for all the world to see. It's a great Palpatine figure. So you, you snatched it up. You, you got yourself a Palpatine. I bought it. Doggy training pads, treats, <laughs> and a Palpatine. <laughs> a little something for, for what did you say, Francis, Franny? Francis, yeah. Franny Francis? Bean, Franny Cakes. Yeah, Francis. Yes. A little something yeah. for Franny Cakes. And a little something uh, for your <laughs> for daddy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I saw that one recently pop up. You know, at, at this point, Every website I go to, the ads have figured out, like, just show this fool action figures <laughs> and you will be ours forever. So who knows what, what I would probably looking up a medical ailment and there was a pop up ad like check out Palpatine. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw him and I was like, I don't know how hard he's going to be to find. So I ordered him online. I have him in a box. I'm working on a script right now that I'm really close to finishing and he's mm. he's my reward. <laughs> I'm going to reward myself with some evil Palpatine. So I can't wait. Ah, oh, love it, love it. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's that special kind of Star Wars joy. Even now at forty six, turning a corner and going figure that I love. 
Yeah, uh, that's so great. Uh, the other thing, I, I had the opportunity, uh, fortunate to be in attendance along with Grace for the wedding of uh, Sam Levine and Rachel Cushing. A lot of you, I'm um, sure, know them if you're fans of the Schmodown or just fan of Sam's work and, and all this good stuff over the years. Uh, great wedding uh, down at the E-Bill of Los Angeles and uh, uh, beautiful location where they filmed. They actually filmed um, some, a lot of things have been filmed there, but uh, uh, Mark Ellis was officiating the wedding and in the ceremony mentioned that this is where they shot Harrison Ford's big uh, like speech in Air Force One. So uh, there's a connection. But anyways, uh, afterwards, uh, there, every wedding has like a little kid that steals the show, right? Like a five-year-old <laughs> that's a ring bearer. And this was the case. It was uh, Rachel's uh, nephew. I believe his name was Jeremy, but uh, it was hard to tell because he was just running around having fun. Uh, so his uh, his father was Rachel's brother-in-law. Anyways, long story short, we're chatting with this dad, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I'm a, f- I'm a fan. Ken Pit Boss, yay! I even got your your book." And then he proceeds to tell me that the, the sequels are trash, but it's okay, it's okay. Um, <laughs> and then he said, hey, "Hey, my son, my son's a big fan. He watches the films. Um, can I? Can he ask some questions?" And you know, Joseph, you've experienced this. I'm sure of our listeners. If you're the Star Wars person, or you're known as a Star Wars fan, uh, some parents do this a lot. Like, "Hey, hey, can 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 my son or daughter ask you a question?" So cool. Call him over, and I'm expecting, you know, what are X wings, or you know, how some something like something fun. I lean in, Grace, and I lean in. I go, "What's your question?" <laughs> he goes, "Why did Darth Vader kill Obi Wan?" <laughs> and I just go, oh man, um, um, and, and his grandma's uh, Rachel's mom looking at me, and, they're, and I was like, well, I, I you know, I, I think uh, Darth Vader gave in to hate and anger, and he, and he couldn't let go of it, and 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 he he killed his friend. But I go, I go, I I think on the other side, you know, <laughs> Obi Wan was doing something for Luke, and he and he was choosing to to help and and the greater good. And you know, I'm trying to explain it, and he's going, <laughs> okay, okay, and, and and I go, you got any more questions? He goes, how how do you make a lightsaber? And I go, okay, that one I can do. That one I can do. You go to Ilum, hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you go to you go to uh, you know Ilum. You pick up you, your crystal will find you, and Professor Huang will help you build it. And he goes, okay, great. And he goes back to running around. Well, the next day, you, you're joking, Joseph, but he went to Galaxy's Edge. So I'm like, oh, my answer's wrong. He's gonna be like, that guy was wrong at the wedding. <laughs> He doesn't know how to build a lightsaber. You go yeah. to Disneyland. What's yeah. what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this guy? So anyways, uh, fun experience, but it was just, I just, yeah, it was hilarious. And and five, he was literally five years old and just like, and, and he was upset by it. Why, why would Darth Vader do that? And you know what? That's a good question. That is a very good question. He was he really bothering you that much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to leave your your Death Star house, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on, you guys are buddies. Yeah, it is so fun that moment of not knowing. You know, we have a Star Wars question. Is it going to be something like you know, what do you know the name of Mace Windu's droid? Right? Because yeah. that's some you know, kids have that action figure. They picked it up or whatever. Um, or suddenly it'd be like, how did Han and Leia make Ben? You're like, you never know what you're going to get, you know? Ooh, you never do. You know, for the, you know, uh, Liam, the shades from the minds of children come uh, the important <laughs> questions of Star Wars and the important answers. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. That was my Star Wars and life adventures. Uh, so Joseph, if you're ready, let's dive into some news. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Ian McDermott, he's still teasing us with more Sheev. Oh, <laughs> wow. So we have discussed this previously, but this came up again. And I, I want to just continue, continue to talk about it because it just kind of makes me 
excited as a Star Wars fan, clearly if I'm uh, jumping for joy at Palpatine figures in a store. Ian McDiarmid was speaking at the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention. Um, <laughs> apparently it's been around for a bit. That's the greatest convention ever. I don't quite know what it is. It sounds like something to just celebrate those uh, Starbucks to go mugs uh, that they have (laughs) in the uh, Imperial briefing on the Death Star. But I got to tell you, if if, you know, maybe this is where you and I need to go do a live Star Wars ranked on favorite Imperial officer moments. This might be the spot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just I just Googled the Imperial commissary is Mm -hmm. it says here uh, they are a. uh, is a Star Wars community focused on the growing and longevity of the Star Wars collecting hobby for future generations. Okay. All right. We're going to head there next year. <laughs> Look for it. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not definitely making fun. It's just, there's so many conventions. There's so many conventions now for so many years that you can't possibly hear or go to all of them. But this one, I was like, this is made up for you. You know, you get McDermott. Is this what you had to do? It's like, Oh, we're just Imperials. We're the Imperials over here. I don't know. It's just hilarious. Yeah, That's hilarious. Um, but he was speaking there and, uh, and the emperor himself says there's a certain show coming soon set right around the time I may have, con- uh, may have been considered to be very active, whether or not you will see me, my physical body, excuse me, I cannot comment on, but you will certainly feel my presence. <laughs> so we have discussed this before and we've discussed it, uh, in, in a lot of detail, uh, this idea of, uh, Vader having a forced Skype call with his boss, a hologram, something like that. Uh, who knows? Uh, who knows what it could be? But as we race towards Kenobi and technically Andor, which would fall under this category as well. Uh, Joseph, has anything changed on your thoughts about Palpatine returning? How? Why? How much? What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love just uh, thinking of these uh, these sheave teases. Sheavis. <laughs> and I want unlimited sheave. I want him to come back. I love the uh, the cheeky way that Ian McDiarmid talks uh, about yes. this. Like, Whether or not you will see my physical body, I cannot comment on. Um, it made me think of uh, a couple things. I do still feel like a physical presence seems likely in Kenobi, I think, a yeah hologram conversation with vader that might even fit some of this sort of cheeky like i recorded it over video it's just my head (laughs) you know uh in fact you know they did the makeup digitally and they stuck my face in a robe i just did the performance you know on a skype call um Hmm. i think that's that's a strong possibility um i would love it if it really was he he had an in-person in the robes in the makeup uh, filming, uh, in particular, it mm. just thrills me the idea of seeing live action uh, Palpatine in the former Jedi Council room that mm. is now the you know Imperial base, and just on screen seeing the power of Vader still being dressed down and judged <laughs> in that same room where it all began when Mace Windu was rude to him. That no, there's something I, I really uh, am on board with. This idea of just seeing seeing McDermott roam around, whether it be the volume, whether it be a practical set, doesn't matter. Just roaming around those locations we're so familiar with, especially from a different era, the Revenge of the Sith era. To see him now, to see him maybe with Hayden, mask on, mask off, doesn't doesn't matter to me. Just seeing him with Vader, it, more than just a reunion of uh, Revenge of the Sith, their tactical clones, but just seeing him now and, getting, and them all getting a chance to dive back into the the juicier moments with those characters would be really exciting, but I, I I'm still, yeah, nothing's changed. I still kind of predict, you know, the Skype call uh, of, of doom. Um, but who knows, who knows, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the the Skype call, the hollow call, hollow Skype of doom is more likely than a in person scene. Uh, that's a fantasy. I would love that, particularly that location. But I just think it really makes a ton of sense in Kenobi more than anything. We've talked about it a lot, but the thing that I was thinking about this week is it would be great to see Palpatine, you know, really hating Kenobi. We've talked mm. a lot about that Lucas quote uh, where Lucas says, yeah, Palpatine's mad that Kenobi damaged his prize. Um, but I love the idea in the context of this show. Palpatine uh, hates Kenobi and also knows Kenobi is a threat. Anybody who yeah. might be able to get through to Anakin is a threat. So seeing a little extra anger, right, of like... Mm. Vader reports, hey, I, I killed East Koth, <laughs> you know, yeah, and Palpatine's yeah. like, two thumbs up, great, you know, random mm-hmm. Jedi that I know you hate. <laughs> yeah. But your friend Kenobi, right, the way he brings it up in Revenge of the Sith, he's like, all Jedi, even your friend Kenobi, he knows Kenobi's a problem, and Palpatine expressing yeah. that would raise the stakes of that, of this story. I love that Revenge of the Sith moment. I, I love when you bring it up because it just highlights Palpatine's pettiness, one of our favorite little things about him, the little my little green friend digs and everything. And just, yeah, the, the, the galaxy's going, it's on fire. Plus, your friend Kenobi, he's an a hole. Let's get him. Like, I just love, I love Palpatine's energy there. Yeah. And, and even earlier in the film, when, when he's got, Anakin to to kill Dooku for him and give in to his anger and praising him for him. It's like, you don't really need to go back for Kenobi. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, it's a big point. I think a yep. big emotional point of Palpatine succeeds by dividing people. And he knows that Kenobi is this even 2% risk of getting through to Anakin. Yeah. And that shot, it went around. I love when the internet uh, either uncovers things, rediscovers things, discovers them. It doesn't matter to me. I love I love when it gets put out there in that shot of the end of Phantom Menace at Qui-Gon's funeral. You got Palpatine, you got Anakin, you got all these characters between the two of them. And then the shot at the end, Revenge of the Sith, Vader in the uh, in the outfit and the mask and Palpatine. And there's no one between them. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what the game plan is. Exactly. When you track Palpatine and these little victories and these little dark things he does along the way, I I, I love that again love that about the character even though we want him to lose every time yeah exactly and in this one you know he he'll think he had a victory but uh, kenobi yeah. will be setting up the hope um Andor always comes up as a possibility and mm-hmm. with this cheeky answer about whether or not you see my physical body uh, but you will certainly feel my presence a thing that struck me for Andor is it would be great i would love propaganda in the background like yes. Yes. i don't know if i if i don't know if it makes is much sense to me uh, uh, to see him as a character like you absolutely could. But if if Cassian's like working low level Imperials to try to work up in the chain, right? It, mm. Absolutely. You could see, you know, uh, some Moff reporting to Palpatine, but I'm much more interested in uh, like happened in Clone Wars, but for a different era of, you know, Andor's hiding out and there's just some screen with the manipulated image of Palpatine talking about how great yes. the Empire is. Yes, it makes me think of even some stuff in uh, the Battlefront Two story mode when you're going around Bardos and yeah. those places. I yeah yeah I think look if you know if I had to choose one I'm, I'm going to always go towards Kenobi if you're actually going to bring McDermott in and 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 there's some, such emotional uh, punch behind that decision. But yes, it really would work for Andor as well. I I'd be fascinated to see Ian McDermott play. Sheave in a way again in Andor mm-hmm. with what you're describing the propaganda the holograms a big speech you know going around a planet maybe he's just up there like hello welcome you know thank you for landing at LAX I'm happy, thank you for serving <laughs> me. like even if it was something like that it'd be fun to just see him play that side of the character uh, in this modern era yeah strength order 
Happy Empire Day. <laughs> uh, you have selected Diet Cola. Uh, press again. Um, so, so far, everything teased has been Palpatine in small dose, doses. At least that's what you gather from McDormand's words and, and just kind of the reality of the situation. It is the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. But that got me thinking even more, Joseph, if, could we ever see a show or a series spending more, quote, quality time with the galaxy's big evil? I know a uh, young Palpatine or something like that might uh, uh, be on a, a wish list. And it is kind of for me to, uh, but I'm talking about the Emperor, as we know, McDarmid, would it work? Uh, you know, and uh, you know, do you need Vader and Sheev, a, a lesson in in self hate? I don't know. Do you need that kind of series, <laughs> special two hours? Uh, taken aside, I'll, I'll put the caveat out of we understand some folks might want to go to new eras, and I think we're still going to get that chance. But uh, I just, would you ever want to? Could could you see that working? I guess is even more the question of uh, a little bit more time with Palpatine. Yeah, I mean, I would always love for there to be a reason to spend more time uh, with Palpatine. The young Sheev thing is interesting to me. You know, I think some of what the, um, the Darth Plagueis book dived into the idea of sort of like this young man balancing his rising political career with his Sith training. Um, I love those ideas. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, one-off movie or a, you know, four episode series, uh, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with old Sheev narrating, <laughs> yeah. uh, the young Sheev adventure. I'm so intrigued by that, but I'm also really, uh, feel like there does need to be some balance of light in all star Wars. And I know some fans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. disagree and I respect that, that they're like, well, look, there's plenty of hope in star Wars. Why can't we have, <laughs> you know, one show that's just, you know, really leaning into the evil. And I get that. But there's a part of me that's just like, I, for me, I always want a little light. And that, that's what, mm. for every, like, could we focus on Sheev? I'm like, yes, but where do you get a little yeah. bit of hope? So the other idea I would have is, um, is a joke title, but uh, How I Escaped My Father, uh, the, a series that's, uh, you know, centered on Ray's dad, um, but yes. you get plenty of Sheev time. <laughs> it's, yes. it's all hanging from a hook on Exegol, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it would be fun. Yeah, no, look, I, I'm with you on that. And and I don't I don't think maybe five years ago or even less, I, I might have been like, no, take me definitely young Sheev, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I, I'd want to learn a little bit more. I don't know if I ever want to learn a, a more of his fall other than he fell because I, I don't want any excuses made for him. I, I, I want it to be lessons. If it's choices, it's choices he made and he's unapologetic and he is the big evil. You know what I mean? I don't want to ever... Mm-hmm. And I'm not even suggesting they would do that, but I just, I, I like Palpatine as that. There is no, um, what we got with Anakin, which is, Hey, how do, how do good people go bad? I, I don't necessarily need that. Uh, and that's a big thing with George. That's a big thing with the prequels. I don't need that for Palpatine. He is what he is, the big evil. So I would like quality time, but it just to remind us all that he is what he is. Maybe yeah, that's the title of the series. He is what he is. The Palpatine story. <laughs> I is what I is. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the headcanon that I like, and I feel like sort of, for me, what I value about Star Wars storytelling is no one is born just great or Mm -hmm. just evil. Uh, Everyone has choices. And I think what I'm fascinated with by Palpatine as the ultimate evil is he is somebody who has made his choice and nothing is going to turn him back. Unlike the story that we've seen Mm -hmm. with uh, Vader and Kylo. I like that being in my head canon that there's, yeah, there's some, there's some weakness. There's some fear. There's something that, that broke him and he made a choice and he never, ever turned back. And that's, what's heroic about Anakin and Ben Solo of they Mm -hmm. had the bravery to turn back. 
I like that as my headcanon. I don't know that I'm chomping at the bit to see that story. Yeah. And, and again, maybe even four years ago, I don't know. I would have been like, yes, sh- show him being mean in elementary school. Um, <laughs> like you, I know that's probably there. I think there's other places to shine the light, but we love Palpatine. We love, uh, I love seeing, I don't know, just love, uh, love seeing uh, his, his plans and how it affects everyone. And then I love studying what it means for other people and how they can overcome that. I'm with you a little bit of uh, a little more light, but Hey, we always enjoy some more Palpatine. Any final thoughts on uh, Palpatine as we approach Kenobi, sir? Yeah. I was going to ask you a question. So the, the mm-hmm. tales of the Jedi uh, panel, uh, you know, caused some stir yes. uh, last week uh, in, in the panel describes it as a discussion of an anthology of shorts. So, you know mm-hmm. uh, we, we will see exactly what that means, but uh, I, I think we know what the noun short means. <laughs> yes. I think it's going to be a, a, a smaller thing rather than like full blown half hour animation. Yeah. Uh, but that said, how would you feel if something like Tales of the Jedi was narrated by Sheev? And like we, the audience saw heroic moments of Jedi, but Sheev was like evil Rod Serling and like, look at these fools. Let me tell you about a time a Jedi did something stupid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, similar to Inside Edition's uh, Sheev's burn, burn book that we uh, yes. uh, talked about. Uh, uh, here's why. Maybe, and this is a complete like selfish Thinking of, of Force Center and what we kind of talk about a lot here with our Justice for the Jedi, uh, the the uh, campaign that uh, uh, you began a few years ago, Joseph, that that we support here. If if you hear, if you go into failures or mistakes in the past of the Jedi, and it's narrated and told from Shi's point of view, maybe it will make you think more highly of the Jedi. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's yeah. like, well, Shi can't be right. I'm starting to see the other side here. I, I think maybe that would be what I would. Yeah, if, if every episode is Sheev just sneering because the Jedi were kind and rescued somebody or someone was selfless and he's like, idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was watching that Kenobi teaser again uh, just because I just turned it on. It popped up on my YouTube uh, suggestion page and I was like, yeah, I'm going to click on this. And that line from the Grand Inquisitor about the, the trail of compassion just is slowly becoming one of my favorite lines in Star Wars. I hope it makes the show. Sometimes you don't know what the trailer is. <laughs> It just is one of those things that is like makes you look at the Jedi faults and all foibles and all mistakes and all and just go, that is what they are, or what they're supposed to be. And that's powerful in Star Wars and life. Yeah. And that that is the dark side perspective that it is wrong to help people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty crystal clear. Yep. It is. It is. So there you go. I could be on board with that. Tales of the Jedi as told by Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> Uh, that is that for now. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, we are going to recommend an audiobook for you. Uh, Joseph, what do we got today? Speaking of the season of Kenobi, we are going to be diving into Brotherhood by Mike Chen, a Kenobi and Anakin adventure. I can't wait to get uh, reading and discussing that one, Ken. It is staring at me on my shelf, but maybe uh, I could uh, get the audiobook too, like you. If you uh, want to go uh, get your audiobook, download it today. Your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break on the other side. More news here on Force Center. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. This is where we talk Star Wars news. And like I said, they're looking at the stories. I, we didn't, I don't want to go too far down one path. I saw, hey, this might happen in the show exclusive and, and good for that team. I didn't want to report on that. But I saw this story. It's from Entertainment Weekly, Joseph. And I love thought starters. I love conversation starters. And uh, this is, uh, like I said, from Entertainment Weekly, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and its relationship to that 
line, if you will. But really, it's a few lines. So EW ran this piece of their ongoing interviews with Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, and Deborah Chow. The discussion turned to the line said in A New Hope by Vader, the circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And they talked about if the show will change the context of the line. Everyone was vague, of course. Both Ewan and Hayden, kind of on the count of three, said maybe. But Ewan added, it's fun. It's very clever how all those threads are created. It's like working backwards and forwards at the same time for the writers and for Deborah." So we'll start to dive in here, but I did want to read this one from uh, Deborah Chow, Joseph. Mm -hmm. She said, it was definitely something we were very mindful of. And for me, also taking on George Lucas's legacy, it's an honor to take these characters and be able to tell a new story with them. So I wanted to be very respectful to what exists and not change anything that George intended originally or anything like that. So let's dive into this. We have discussed this line and... Like many people have discussed the return of the Jedi conversation with Vader and Luke that seems to contradict that line in A New Hope, if you want to split some hairs. Uh, but what new things are we looking forward to discovering about these lines, new context, and just your thoughts on uh, this being part of the discussion, Joseph, going into Kenobi? Yeah, I, I think it's totally understandable that it's a part of the discussion. This is something that is, a, I think, a fascinating relationship between uh, the audience, the story, and the creators, right? This kind of goes mm -hmm. to the heart of even the special edition discussions of like who owns these, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it, people grew up with an interpretation of Han Solo based on the fact that he was being threatened to be shot. So he shot Greedo and that's not a moral thing, but for mm -hmm. Lucas it was. And uh, Q, uh, literal decades of discussion. <laughs> and I think we are on the precipice. Uh, mm -hmm. of another thing like that. For me, uh, I'm really excited to have that flexibility to interpret. Mm -hmm. It certainly seems in the spirit of Lucas who who would look at things like, well, yeah, that, that Return of the Jedi line from Leia implies that she knew her mother and that she died when she was very young. Um, but yeah. I'm not going to let that hold me back. There's room for interpretation. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that's certainly in the spirit of Star Wars, just being open for interpretation or in the spirit of the way Lucas has always uh, dealt with Star Wars. Uh, I think the most important line in the original trilogy to this discussion is uh, Yoda's, you must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, because for me, I think both of those key lines, the, um, when I left you, uh, I was but the learner, now I am the master, and Obi-Wan once thought as, as you do, I want to be respectful of it because we, we, it's tip of the iceberg storytelling. Those lines are open for interpretation. And as fans, we all filled them in. Yeah. And we've lived with them for years and years and years. And I think that's where the passion comes from. And I still see comments saying, I'm excited for Kenobi, but I don't know if I really can be because it's going to ruin that line. It's wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's coming from a place of, the, yeah, sure, the line is open to interpretation, but I personally have interpreted this way for years. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's the real starting point is, how do you as a fan choose to uh, work with that relationship? Are you open to saying maybe the way I interpret it or understood it for years is open mm. or I've decided, no, it's closed and that's going to be a barrier to me enjoying the show. Yeah. Well said. And I think there's a case by case basis thing that I, I kind of look at with this where I, I think I've talked before about when, when the comics launched again and, 2014 and right away Luke was kind of standing before Vader uh, not too far after the events of A New Hope and I, that one didn't sit well with me but over time any uh, anger or uh, you know awkwardness I felt towards that just kind of dissipated and went away it didn't take away from 
empire for me, which at the time is where I kind of got in my head about it. So I understand it. I really do understand some folks, and I've seen some hardline stances on there on Twitter, mm-hmm. believe it or not, of like, nope, <laughs> nope, they can't meet. That's not what it said. But I, I, I think, and I, and I, and I think for years, and 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 you're right. The head cannon starts to become fact in our head, and maybe we can forget that again on a fan by fan, case by case basis. Where I absolutely thought Mustafar was the last spot, or even before I thought of Mustafar, I just thought of some volcanic uh, planet mentioned in a book, right? Where that was it. It made a lot of sense. And then the reality of that's kind of what George was dealing with in 76, 77 while he was putting that movie out, not knowing what he w- would get a chance to tell. So the spirit of what if uh, and why not is is big with George, as we've discussed before. And I do think by the time you really dig into Return of the Jedi, it's always worked, uh, felt a little different to me. That that conversation with Luke and Vader has always made me feel as there was something else. So that's just where I'm at with it. And so I'm open to it, but I really understand that other people won't be. Uh, but this is just also where we're at. We we never thought we'd get to see any of this. <laughs> now we do. So I want to be open to it as best I can. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm open to it. And I also know that there are just going to be some fans who it is going to bother them. And it's going to be a discussion for a long time. And and so it goes. I think for me, um, the Obi-Wan once thought as you do is a line I always love from Return of the Jedi. And I always thought that like, oh, that's so great. Because we, we hear earlier in the film, right, that Kenobi's like, look, uh, he's gone. You know, and then you 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 back the fill that with what Vader says of like, then you get this idea like Kenobi tried. And I remember that was one of the things walking on Revenge of the Sith, like Kenobi gave him like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan once thought as you do was like he basically walks down from the platform and is like, Look, uh, I'm kinda I'm I'm kinda yelling at you. Uh you say the absolute and then, well, look, I gave you a chance. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. come on, didn't Kenobi give him more of a chance? So because of my uh, you you can make that work. I, I've made that work in my mind of like, okay, Vader, upon reflection, Vader realizes Obi-Wan did not charge out of the ship lightsaber ignited. Yep. He tried to talk to him. Uh, didn't try very hard. <laughs> but that was, that was an example where I molded my interpretation of that line to what exists in Revenge of the Sith. But I was always open to what we're going to get in the show because I thought it's more compelling, the idea that Kenobi would have really tried hard. Yeah, and I like that, you know, in, in, in these two different eras we're kind of discussing, I think if you're watching in the 80s or, or you know, you're you're watching and have yet to take the deep dive into the prequels, it kind of works in A New Hope, and then you get the information in Jedi that maybe before that final confrontation they had to sit down and that it didn't work, right? And then, then it does change when we finally see that final confrontation. You're right, that was one of the talking points. And I think you're also right. I think Vader could be like, yeah, yeah, he tried. Two seconds. He knew I was pretty cool. He, he knew I was badass. He didn't do it. Um, but but there there's an example of the the context starting to change even back in the day. And so I, oddly enough, again, this is from my point of view. I'm kind of excited to get some new context to the line. Kind of excited to get what might be the answer. Yeah, and and I think for me, what they're talking about of working with that specific line. Um, I think this is one of those lines that I have paraphrased in my head, even though, you know, I've watched the film a million times. Sometimes you get a line in your head, not quite right. And I think a lot, a lot of times in my mind, that line has been the circle is now complete when last we met. And, mm. you know, once all this Kenobi conversation started and frankly, uh, trivia studying, <laughs> yeah. it really lodged in my mind. Like, that's not what he's saying. He said, when I left you, I was but the learner. And I feel yeah. like there's room for interesting interpretation of when does Vader feel he left Kenobi? Mm-hmm. And I can really see that line being contextualized as Obi-Wan is 
trying to get through to Vader in this new bit of story. And really, uh, Obi-Wan is portraying it as something bad happened to you, Anakin. You fell. You were made a victim of uh, Palpatine. You were made a victim of the dark side. And Vader pushing back and saying, no, I made a choice. I rejected mm-hmm. the Jedi. I rejected you. I left. And I was only beginning my journey in the dark side when I left you. And when I encounter you again, you know, in the Death Star, I am a master of the dark side. Ooh, yeah, uh, I love that. It's kind of one of the little things I hope to, to to get from this scene or this confrontation, just this series in general, this idea that, I don't know, that I want to see this this moment uh, or this emotional beat being about Vader not allowing Anakin to accept forgiveness so that all the things you're kind of saying are from the, really Vader, like really him winning that war with Anakin. I'm just like, nope, I did this. This is my choice. But really also being about Anakin not being able to accept forgiveness, not being able to move on from any kind of pain and shame and all and all the things he lost, a, a big Star Wars theme. So that Obi-Wan just knows without a doubt that he did what he could. He has done everything uh, and, and, and he himself can forgive himself and move on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if that kind of emerges from this confrontation. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think the fact that they're talking about it like that, it, it must have been a discussion, right? For Ewan and mm. Hayden to say like, maybe instead of like, um, what line are you talking about? Right. Uh, it feels yeah. like the show is going to uh, contextualize that line. And I think uh, uh, some people are going to love it. <laughs> I think other people's are are really going to not like playing with that line at all. And so it goes. That's that's being a fan. <laughs> and so it goes. The circle of Star Wars life is now complete. So this is, I'll admit this, Joseph, this discussion, this part of the discussion here is a little bit more for, uh, not for myself, where you're not involved here, but just I, I had some <laughs> thoughts about my, I was like, I need to, I need to poke my Star Wars brain here. Um, we are pretty certain that we're going to get this quote unquote rematch, this rematch of the century. And it's maybe on the, marketing that may or may not be real you know we haven't confirmed that yet there but we love discussing it so a lightsaber duel an actual fight them together face to face but can we predict what we might feel like if this much heralded rematch between vader and kenobi turns out to be something else than a actual lightsaber fight like a dream a force pr- projection a sit-down dinner uh what if it isn't what we might want it to be uh where does your mind go with that kind of thought uh, I I want it to be many things, but yes. I want one of the things to be a big lightsaber fight. And um, I would not make angry videos about it. I would not give in <laughs> to my hate, yes. uh, but I would allow myself to disagree and be disappointed with the marketing department <laughs> and say, this is a misstep because, you know, that shot is in the sizzle reel. You know, the yeah, way yeah. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy promoted the, the rematch of the century, right? Um, that That is not, it, it's not my dinner with Kenobi, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'd yep. be happy with that. And I hope that is an element of it. But yep. if the lightsaber fight just isn't there, um, I would think that is a failure of the marketing department to make people. It's one thing for us to be like, okay, we watched Force Awakens and we, the audience, have taken on that we believe the identity of Snoke is a is a big mystery to be solved. Mm. And yep. then when it's not really there, we're annoyed. Like, okay, well, we filled some things in, right? Yeah. There's a picture of them fighting with lightsabers in the sizzle reel. That's not filling in. <laughs> right. That's the marketing department advertising a concrete event. Yeah, and, and this is... Well, I said this, uh, this section is kind of for me to work through, through some things. I, I, I'm not predicting this is going to be the case. I, I, I kind of believe it all on face value. And you're right. It would be a big 
record scratch and uh surprise no 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 surprise no no this is not what we wanted uh you set us up for a fight uh so i do think lightsabers will cross and yeah you mentioned the concept art and everything they're, they're getting us geared up but i just had this thought it was just like popped my head reading this interview i was like <gasps> you know it's like how many times uh did i go around going luke don't worry luke's gonna show up in the third act of force awakens he's gonna be there as lightsaber <laughs> oh last jedi he's gonna ignite the greed you know and, and and we know where now famously where some of those expectations took a lot of the fan base and which again totally fair totally okay to go that way. Uh, then you can decide what to do with that disappointment or, or even anger. Uh, so yeah, jokes aside, I think you're right. I'm intrigued by Vader and Kenobi, you know, just talking. I actually kind of want that moment. I don't think you bring Hayden back and you and back and not have them speak and talk about feelings, emotions before crossing sabers and while crossing sabers I like that. I just think this was a moment where I took a, I had a little sharp intake of breath and was like, I got to slow down. I got to slow myself down just to remind myself that anything could happen at this point. Yeah, I, I'm leaving myself real open for the sheer uh, amount of Vader screen time, right? I, I think yeah. that this is going to be structured like a, a three-act movie with the first two episodes kind of being first act and second act and third act. And I think we can see a little bit of Vader in the first and second act. And the third act is is Vader versus Kenobi on, on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to keep myself realistic about the amount of Vader uh, time. I love that you brought up a, a dream. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have Kenobi having, having Vader nightmares because uh, yeah. that just looks and sounds that would look really yeah. cool right and you could yeah that would be a way to play with super scary vader um i i for the actual battle i think what i really want uh, we've discussed emotional beats uh mm -hmm. but i i think i want a best spin structured fight like mm. a big fight that travels i guess mustafar does too but with more room for yeah. conversation the way the best spin one is right mm-hmm mm-hmm i agree with uh, that ha have so, saber have saber will travel yeah 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 so kind of a dinner but mostly a fight um, a moving fight banquet <laughs> uh the other thing i want to be sure to mention because i watched the video that's attached to this article is mm. ewan talks about being on set in seeing hayden's face and he says anakin multiple times um mm. which i don't think is a shocking revelation i've always felt casting mm. hayden christensen means uh some helmet off time in some former fashion yeah. i really am hopeful i know there are rumors uh, blah blah maybe yeah. some leaks that i haven't clicked on uh but yeah. i i really think a some at least one flashback would add yeah. just so much emotional depth and be great to see yeah or or you know obi-wan stumbles into uh vader's meditation chamber and they have a really <laughs> awkward uh you know vader's in a towel going oh, oh, oh give me a minute occupied occupied and they have a conversation <laughs> around it there um but, learn uh, to knock kenobi <laughs> This is maybe perhaps a, a deeper question, not quite a Star Wars rank. So uh, just toss a couple out there, Joseph. But what are some of the other times that, you know, maybe you've enjoyed that new context, uh, different perspectives and additional information in Star Wars storytelling? Um, I wrote down like four, but I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll limit hmm. myself to two. How, how does that sound? List away, list away. <laughs> uh, Boba Fett as a traumatized child in Attack of the Clones. Uh, that mm. I think I've been thinking about a lot because of the Book of Boba Fett discussion. Uh, honestly, because what we're talking about uh, of of Palpatine and thinking about what what Lucas's intent really is with Star Wars beyond the fun and the cool. It seems like Lucas loves creating or, or having a hand in, in creating, directing others to create cool badass things. Right, and it, there's that yeah. great documentary of under the helmet about the whole creation of Boba Fett and evolution. And then Lucas has got that 
that very George Lucas line of like, what can I say? People like the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that he would go back and attack the clones and say, uh, yeah, no, nobody's a mysterious badass. Uh, everybody makes mm. choices and sometimes they come from trauma. And yeah. even in Attack of the Clones, when I, I could almost hear the eyes rolling <laughs> yeah. in the theater because people who had grown up with the original trilogy with mysterious badass uh, Boba Fett did not want him to be a child with reasons. Uh, and even then, I loved it. And that recontextualized the character for me. That's a, that's a great example. Yeah, and, and one that was... Pretty much, pretty well discussed at the at, at the time. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of discussions yeah. at Chili's at the Chili's bar with me and my friends about uh, yeah young yeah mm. yeah. And then the other one for me is uh, in Rise of Skywalker, Leia's Jedi training, having a lightsaber. The idea that that both she and Luke really took this mm. seriously of yeah, you have that power too, and that she pursued it and questioned it and made a different choice and uh in in everything that was then done with the legacy of her having a lightsaber and and really yeah. making it the skywalker twins are the legacy not luke and 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 oh yeah leia too the skywalker twins that for me yeah. was was beautiful oh that's a, that's a great answer i mean we, you, we might need to finish your list here because i'll toss a couple out um <laughs> i i do love and 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 it's weird i don't know if i 100 percent love what i saw but I love the end result and I love the emotions. I'm so much about uh, uh, the emotions of Star Wars, of loving Star Wars and, and that kind of like how the fist pumping moment and, or the tears, any, anything like that's where I really gravitate to when I'm discussing Star Wars and the, the Kessel run. Mm. I, look, I think we all knew we were going to get it. It was all there. And then that was, that's back when the movie was even first announced and the trailers and everything. And to see it, it was nothing like I had dreamed about as a kid or, you know, read about other people's opinions or even read any other versions. It just was nothing like it, including a creature, including this and that, and including that it's more distance than time. But that that was a longer discussion that we all grew <laughs> up with. But to finally get it and to see it and to know that, hey, yes, some of the tension in this scene might feel like it's undercut because, you know, Solo's OK <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but it doesn't mean someone else on the ship ain't going to go. I don't know that at that point. But just to. When it, when it ends and they get to Severine and he, and he pops out and he's kind of bragging about it and the great line of, you know, well, if you round down, the first time I saw it, and, it, and I think you were with me in that theater, Joseph, remember, it's a cynical press screening. People applauded. Mm -hmm. And I, there was just some energy to it. And I, I go with that. So even though it was a case of I never thought it went like that, that Kessel Run was different than anything I dreamed of. It wasn't just about me being happy with the result. It was just how it f made me feel I couldn't deny in that moment. And that's why I love that one. Yeah, I think it was so great because it, it recontextualizes it to me from just a cool thing that Han did because he's the greatest pilot, you know, right. in the galaxy at that time, you know, arguably. Um, but it, the tension in that scene is, it, to me, is Han has spent the entire movie saying, hey, I'm this weird bag of... Uh, utter ignorance and cocky hope <laughs> yeah. and everyone going it's not gonna work here's why you can't do x y or z and in what's at stake is not will they escape because they will it's uh is han gonna be proven right the first time that he gets to truly be behind mm -hmm. you know the controls of this ship that that represents his dreams of being a, a pilot and of being in control of his own life does mm -hmm. this weird han solo magic of half 
absolute uh, talent, half hope, and a third half of hubris, <laughs> does it add up to success? And yeah. the answer is yes in the Kessel Run, and it makes it about his character. Yeah, and, and tracing it from that, I've got a good feeling about this to the moments on Severine and then going the rest of his life where he, he probably, even if things continue to fail for him, he's like, no, I'm good. I get out of situations, and it might only be that situation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in his soul. Like, no, I had a good feeling about it and it worked out. Nothing else has really worked out the way I planned, but no, no. And, and that's not even true. But you know what I mean? I, I, I think you're right. I love that energy. I think I love that, that, that uh, emerges from that sequence. Yeah. And just looking back at how messed up the Falcon is in that, like that Hans, everybody else is like, we barely made it out of there alive. We mm. really shouldn't have been able to do it. And he's looking at it as his glorious success. <laughs> that's Han Solo. Uh, it's the best. Other quick ones uh, f- for me. I- I've mentioned this before so many times, but I love when I, I get a chance to bring it up again. And, and it's uh, Madeline Rue's short story Eclipse from the first from mm. a certain point of view, which is Bale and Breha Organa's final moments. It- it's some of the more more heart wrenching, but at the same time uplifting uh, uh, bits of Star Wars storytelling. And, I- and-, and this is what I mean, like additional information or just the context. I can never watch New Hope and see Alderaan destroyed and not think of that moment. And I know those books are, they went from, oh, canon to canon adjacent soft canon. I, I know there's some room to play. That one is written down in my soul as what yeah. happened. It, and I highly recommend someone, uh, if, you, if you haven't had a chance to dig into that one, Eclipse by Madeline Rowe. Uh, what's, what's, what's the other two on the list, Joseph? Let, we can toss them out there. Okay. Uh, just the existence of Satine um, and, and mm. Kenobi having a relationship. Like that's one of those things oh, where yeah. it's, it's not in, in, in direct, you know, there's not a line in the prequels where Kenobi's like, I've never had a girlfriend. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's nothing that it's in tension with, but it's just that additional information that this is, this happens. It's natural. How do you navigate it? How do you feel about it? What it showed us about Kenobi's character. And then the fact that Satine's character is just awesome. So uh, mm-hmm. Kenobi and Satine is a, a different perspective on Kenobi. Additional information. Uh, other one for me that I wanted to shout out is that Rise of Kylo Ren comic book that I cannot shut up about. Because mm-hmm. um, there's just lots of great details in there. But the one that was that's really uh, powerful to me is this horrible dark side ritual that the Knights of Ren um, say that in order for, in order to join their sort of version of the dark side, uh, you have to have, Mm. I can't remember how it's phrased. I didn't have time to look it up like the best kill or, you know, um, a specific kind of kill, but specifically the idea is killing someone that you, the murderer don't want to hurt really because it's easy To, to hurt somebody that you don't know or that you're angry about or is attacking you, but to mm. prove you're truly uh, free, you know, mm. quotes, free uh, and dancing with the dark side, you have to uh, take a life that you will hurt you to take. It's such a great setup for why, why Kylo is trying to force himself, trying so hard to free himself of this pain. Mm. and free himself of the past which is all just you know horrific lies it's i maybe should have ended on a happier one (laughs) but i think it just adds a lot of it 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 adds detail everything that i'm talking about is in the film the force awakens i think but it adds uh detail and perspective no i love uh, a great choice there and and yes uh i know sometimes we both have our favorite things we love to discuss favorite stories just because we just have such a passion for them and and uh, I really think you're right to love that. The Rise of Kylo comic series there, the four-issue run. Uh, check it out. Also, final one for me. I, I will toss one that is about hope. And it's weird to think it, it is it is 
new context, additional information. It's all the things we're discussing. It changes a perspective that I had growing up as a Star Wars fan, but it kind of was already there. My beloved Return of the Jedi novel does address this when describing Mon Mothma, but it's just this idea that is in Rogue One, even in the Star Wars Rebels animated show, that the rebellion wasn't immediately unified. And the rebellion wasn't like, hey, y'all want to take down the Empire? Cool, let's go. <laughs> and you can watch New Hope and get that feel. And if you're seven like me around that time, you're thinking, hey, the good team, the bad team, and all's well. Um, but I love that just kind of the story of the rebellion, struggling to find its footing, struggling to find momentum, struggling to find support, Mothma's speech, all those kind of things. Radisson is a, coming out of hyperspace. It, it means more to me to know that there was different ways to do this, different perspectives. They struggled to find the way forward until they finally knew, hey, we got to take action. This is where we're at. I, I think I really enjoy that the new Star Wars stories have done that to that rebellion story. Really, really agree. And I think uh, an idea that I go to in that whole long story, that tapestry that's in many different places in the Leia Princess of Alderaan book to see how long and how hard Bale and Brea and other early uh, rebellion figures are, are trying everything to make it not violent, right? To not make it a war. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, now we get Noah Jabel, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Noor Javel. He's 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 my whole list, really. There it is. There it is. So out of that one little wonderful little interview in Entertainment Weekly, we discussed a lot of wonderful things there. That is our look at Star Wars news. But before we leave, we do want to uh, take a look ahead to Star Wars Pass. And at the end of the week, we got a, a This Day in Star Wars History. That's uh, a fun one uh, to kind of look back on. And, and uh, this one is on May 8th, 2008. The trailer for Star Wars The Clone Wars debuted on television and in theaters. Uh, specifically, they did not say online, which even though online existed, different kind, different time, different kinds of promotion back then. We know our relationship with the movie then and now. We've discussed it a lot. But what is the relationship to this trailer, Joseph? I really enjoyed it. I, I'm sure I saw that trailer, mm -hmm. um, but I, I had no memory of it. It was really fun to see. Yep. And now, you know, uh, because we've rewatched that movie for the Clone Wars report that we do, but also I've rewatched it multiple times for trivia contests. I know that movie is so well now. It's funny now to see that trailer and go, that's that shot. That's that shot. That's this scene, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I, watching the trailer, first of all, it's, again, 2008 is even a different time in terms of trailers and, and the art of, I love the art of trailers and they're, they've gotten better and better and better in just movies and, and uh, overall. And yeah, you can get into debate on what they give away and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, not, not here to discuss that today. But this trailer's paced a little differently. Like the the setup just kind of stops. It's just a series of action <laughs> shots. <laughs> um, but going back to that time, I don't. I'm with you. I don't even remember this trailer. I kind of remember parts of it, and I was confused. I had really unplugged a bit from Star Wars, uh, and I was you know still buying the toys here and there. Still a fan, without a doubt. Never, never not been a fan, of course. But I had disconnected, perhaps to protect myself. Not because of the prequels, but just the idea that it was done. Star Wars was done again. And, and I just needed to, all right, well, that was fun. Let me go protect my soul a little bit. Then surprised and then confused that Star Wars was back in any way, but back like this. I'm not even commenting on what the, the quality of the animation or anything, but just like, it, this is in theaters? What, what? And I was confused by what I was seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was definitely like uh, Lucas was like, I did it. I've, I finished uh, mm -hmm. the Skywalker saga. But then he there was also the rumblings of the live action uh, TV mm -hmm. show, which I was really excited about. Uh, I had loved the Gennady Tartakovsky 
uh, Clone Wars animated series. And I'm sure when I first heard about that, it's like, oh, they're doing more of that. And then I'm sure part of it was just like, what's this, right? I mean, because yeah. this was, this was uh, you know, absolutely breaking ground early in CGI, right? Like, yeah. oh, yeah. they're doing a Toy Story Clone Wars, you know? <laughs> That's fascinating way to look at it. And I would be interested, anyone out there listening, we talk about the different generations and different uh, entry points into Star Wars. We obviously know there's a giant Clone Wars generation. So I'm just wondering if any of you out there were seeing this for the first time, no matter what age you were at, and just being like, oh, my God, what is this? Or, oh, that Star Wars thing. I'd be very curious about the perspective of on this trailer, not the series, mm-hmm. not the movie, but this trailer and what it might have done for you there um now looking back now is there anything in the trailer you mentioned seeing some of the things we now know because we're familiar with the movie but is anything in the trailer you wish you had appreciated a lot earlier in your clone wars (laughs) journey like say may of 2008 yeah i mean i was excited to see the movie because i also had that like there should be a star wars movie every three years 2008 great and i I, like i've said I, i went and saw it in the theater yeah um but uh in just in the trailer, I think there are a couple of shots now of like, why wasn't I more excited about that great shot of, yes. you know, Anakin with the uh, shadows of the the ribs uh, mm. on, <laughs> which sounds like he's at a barbecue, uh, <laughs> of the, the big beast ribs uh, on Tatooine. The shot of Kenobi and Ventress fighting with the big moon in the background on the, right. the bridge on the monastery at Teth. Such a just mm. all the all the clone action like there's a lot of great shots in there of action that i yeah. that uh you know uh it's weird for me to look at back now like why wasn't i more excited like i was excited but yeah. i don't remember this the thing that i wish i had appreciated more is uh specifically the words general kenobi which are in the trailer mm-hmm. uh and that 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 should have been a door for me to go like oh this is what this is i've read about Mm. And, and seeing a uh, documentary discussion, how Revenge of the Sith was supposed to begin with seven battles on seven worlds. Mm. But Lucas had to compress everything. He wanted to show more of the Clone Wars, but he had to tell focus on this story of Anakin. And now this is exactly the kind of storytelling that I get excited about in that I that I want to champion on the podcast of Star Wars's tip of the iceberg storytelling. And when something a larger story is suggested, Sometimes it's really great to have the room to see it in this movie, this trailer. Now, when I look at it, it's so clear of like of Lucas just going like, I didn't get to tell the actual Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so let me roll up my sleeves and have fun telling you that story of when, you know, General Kenobi served Leia's father in the Clone Wars. Do you not want to see that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what this trailer is screaming to me. And at you know, when I went eventually saw the movie, I, I didn't quite understand that's what it was. I was like, why are we going back to these beats? Um, and that's the glory of the Clone Wars series. And the, I think the trailer is pretty good at communicating that. Yeah, it is. And there's some moments there standing uh, before Jabba. There's Kenobi standing before Jabba. Like, that's just kind of cool. And that like, oh, oh, OK, we're going to things I know, which sometimes can be the path to, you know, more appreciation for the Star Wars thing you're watching there. Uh, you mentioned some of the great shot, like the the lats flying toward Teth. Mm, I yeah. love uh, the the lats in Attack of the Clones. A lot of people love the moments when the camera's kind of behind them and the whir of the weapons loading and everything. Just in terms of pew pew pew, it's it's really good. Yeah. And that would have been like, oh, exactly. Kind of, it's like the smaller version of what you're talking about, Joseph. They're like, oh, 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 more of that thing I liked in Attack of the Clones. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, I put this one at Kit Fisto and Plo Koon standing ready because then it's like, oh, we're getting more Jedi. They're not wiped out. 
uh, Order 66 yep. going to happen. That'd be kind of interesting. And then the the Ahsoka on the walker, the ATTE, as she's going up the monastery, um, I, I wish I appreciated them. And, and this is my memory of, of the trailer's murky at best, but I do remember a clip going around of the first time, and I know I've talked about it on the show before, the first time I, I saw that guy named Dave Filoni, and he was in it like an editing bay showing this scene, and I didn't know what was going on. Again, we're in a we're going to see this in a theater. What's he saying? But the the, the walker going up sideways again. I, I I go to those little moments of just oh that's cool. I want to see more, and that will lead you to deeper things and more poignant moments in Star Wars. But that sometimes for for a guy like me is like oh pew 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 on the wall. Love that, love that. And I just wish <laughs> I had seen that in the trailer, then clap like a like a slobbered idiot going yeah 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 because it, it's it's such a wonderful sequence. It's so great in so many ways. Uh, and then there it is right in the trailer. And I wish I had appreciated it then. Yeah, it's a great action sequence. And, and just the way the whole thing is is cut, it is really cinematic. It is really not just, you know, a Saturday morning uh, cartoon with uh, Ewoks having adventures, which was nice too, mm-hmm. but different than a cinematic adventure of the entire Clone War. Well, there you go. A drop for all of us to enjoy or enjoy later. May 8th, 2008. Looking back at the Star Wars, the Clone Wars trailer. All right. We are out of here today, friends. Always fun to come hang out with all of you. Talk Star Wars news and more. Big week. We got uh, some May the 4th stuff coming up. And as we get ready for Kenobi, just more uh, more discussions to be had about that uh, crazy old wizard in the desert. Before we get out of here, let you know where you can uh, find us. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can like our Instagram and YouTube page as well. We will be having, we're going to lock in the date. We're going to have a lo- another live Q&A uh, prior to Celebration is what our goal is. Uh, and also, speaking of, uh, we, we uh, don't want to forget to let you all know. We are going to be at Star Wars Celebration on Thursday, the Thursday, uh, 2 o'clock time slot for the podcast stage. We'll be guests on Alex and Molly Damon's Star Wars Explained show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, check that out. They have the information right now up on their Twitter page, and we'll have it out as well. You can find us on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Podcast available a lot of different spots. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash or center. You can find me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, kennapsock.com. Comedy dates upcoming June 4th at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. Uh, big show. Uh, Ryan Sickler headlining Mark Ellis hosting. And then I'll be at uh, Flappers. It now looks if you're a local Burbank Force Center fan, I'll be at Flappers. Information on the website soon. As always, we like to highlight uh, charities, things of interest going on in the world. Uh, I am still supporting the uh, globalgiving.org campaign for the Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund. Uh, this affecting uh, the actual, uh, you know, uh, supporting the people actually affected by what's going on there on the ground in Ukraine. You can go again to globalgiving.org slash projects slash Ukraine crisis relief fund. Joseph, where can I find you? What do you got? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for lots of other different kinds of comedy adventures, you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com. This week, I'd like to continue to highlight uh, the great organization, uh, the great uh, activist uh, organization, I guess you would say, Vote Forward. It's activist in that it is encouraging other people to use their power and act. You write letters to voters, encouraging them uh, to vote. uh, Nothing about how to vote, but just to vote vote at all to use that power. The organization is called Vote Forward, and you can check out their website at votefwd.org. Beautiful stuff. As always, I think that's something that Padme would support there. I could see Padme on that uh, <laughs> website going, 
vote. Just vote. Good stuff indeed. So that is it for this week. So for Ian McDermott and all the ways we can dream up about seeing Sheev again, this has been Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.